Please stand if you are able. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Please follow along your own Bibles on the screen in front or simply listen as the passage is read aloud. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. We had about one-eighth uh, of the congregation that's awake. So let's try that one more time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That's a lot better. Well, we're thankful unto the Lord for our opportunity for us to gather together here on this Sunday, uh, the Lord's Day. And we're thankful for um, all those who are here with us, um, uh, worshiping with us. Um, I always count it a privilege every time that we get the opportunity to come together, and I don't take it for granted. It is always great to see all of your smiling faces. And, oh, that was your cue. You missed that. It's always great to see all of your smiling faces and just to be excited to just be in the presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, my name is uh, Pastor Joseph. I'm one of the pastors at Mars Hill Fellowship Church. And for those of you who are new here, as you've heard today, uh, we have a unique experience here where we have two churches worshiping together um, as one. And uh, what a beautiful uh, sight it has been and a beautiful opportunity has been for us to come together uh, as two distinct churches, but serving the same Lord. Amen. Amen. I especially want to welcome those of you who are here for the first time, as uh, Pastor John indicated, that uh, uh, directly after service, there will be a time where we can uh, welcome you a little bit more personally. And uh, we have a few people who are here who are running the marathon. Can I just see those who are running the marathon this, this weekend? Amen. Amen. 
We're going to be praying for you, cheering you on, and uh, we'll pray that you get your personal best if you don't win it all. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we have the opportunity this week as... Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's always good to see Boston, Brookline expand quite a bit uh, during the marathon weekend, and uh, so glad to have each and every one of you who are here today. Um, This morning, we have a, a uh, uh, we're in the series as we've been looking at the story of the Exodus, and um, uh, today marks an important part in our story as we've been journeying through the book of Exodus, and um, I pray that as we share the word of God this morning, uh, it will be meaningful and impactful for each and every one of you who are here today, and uh, also as we look to the word of God today, we are reminded that uh, as we are on the church calendar, this is Palm Sunday, and so at the end of today's service. Uh, We'll be distributing palms and um, uh, in remembrance of the time when uh, Jesus entered into Jerusalem, uh, we will also commemorate that at the end of today's service. And so would you pray with me as we go to the word of God? Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, O God, Lord, for the opportunity for us uh, to search your word even today. Father, we pray that even as the word goes forth, O God, Lord, you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to receive everything that you want to say unto us. Father, thank you for the reminder in your word this morning that just like you carried Uh, the children of Israel, Lord, that you are also carrying us like an eagle on the back of a a mother's wing. Lord, we thank you, O God, for all that will take place today. In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. One of the patterns that I have developed in life is to try to take time out in my schedule to kind of pause, reflect, and to think about uh, some of the journeys that I have taken or things that have happened and, and occurred. In the busyness of our life, oftentimes we get caught up in the details of the day-to-day activities that take place. Maybe you're like me, you think about all the things that you have to do, all the preparations, all the things you're constantly going through your mind, all the checklists of things that you want to make sure that you've completed and gotten done. And sometimes in the midst of that, we don't take time to zoom out and to kind of look back and to reflect and to look at the progress and the work that has been done and what God has been able to do in and through each and every one of our lives. When I look at what God has been doing through this partnership, it's very easy as we come in week in and week out just to think about, okay, well, how did this service go or how did that service go? But to think about the reality that two distinct churches made an intentional effort to say, we want to serve God and serve God together and be an example to this world and to look back, to zoom out and to be able to say, look at what God is doing in the life of High Rock and Mars Hill Fellowship church. We also think about the discernment process and to think about the fact that over the course of three and a half months, it was an intentional time of praying and seeking God. It's very easy to look at and say, oh man, we're at this point. But to really think about it from a zoomed out lens to realize, how many churches do you know that when there's a time of transition, they'll say, Let's take time to pray. 
Now, I know that sounds good, uh, you know, if you write in your values and everything. And, and one of the values at Marshall Fellowship Church is we believe in spirit-filled prayer. And so we talk about the fact and the aspect of praying about everything. But how many times would we intentionally take time out to pray and say, Lord, we want to hear your voice and do your will. See, the challenge is, is that if we don't take time to zoom out, then what will often happen is that in the midst of all that is going on, we lose sight of all that God is accomplishing and the majesty of it and the beauty of it. I love uh, being in New England because you can travel north into New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine, and, and you've got the mountains and the beautiful area and landscape. You can travel a couple hours down south, and you can go to New York and the bustling city, and so we're right kind of in the midst of it all. And the beauty in the landscape, I love traveling into New Hampshire and just seeing mountains. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about God's beauty because seeing a mountain reminds me that one person just couldn't go and start climbing at the rock and carve a mountain, but is the beauty of God's design. And when you step back and you be, you're able to look at the majesty of the mountain and, and, and when you go up to the top of the mountains, you can look over and see, um, uh, I forgot which mountain it is, but you can actually see into Canada and see all the beauty of God's majesty. And what we have here as we look at our text this morning is what I call a zoom out picture of what God was doing in the life of the children of Israel. It's important for us to understand this, and as we pause and reflect upon the text, we're going to take some time to go and zoom in, but we're going to zoom out so that we can appreciate all that the Lord was doing in the midst of this. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing from a significant milestone in the journey of the people of Israel. They had journeyed from a time where they were in slavery in Egypt to the land of promise from God, which was Canaan. Now, one of the things that we recognize is that throughout this journey, we witnessed the tremendous effort it takes to go from where we are to the place where God wants us to be. Make no mistake about it, there is a place where God wants each and every one of us to be. But there is a challenge because we find ourselves not always there. We find ourselves in places and positions, and the challenge is how do we get to where God wants us to be. That is the heart. That is the question that we are constantly reflecting upon. There is a place where God wants each and every one of us to be. For the people of Israel, the place where God wanted them to be was in covenant relationship with God and for him to be, for excuse me, for them to be his people and for him to be their God. This was the place that God was constantly trying and trying and trying again to get them to. He wanted them to understand covenant relationship. Covenant relationship meant that God was their God. And in a time in a society which was pluralistic, they would worship various gods. They would worship gods based upon the needs that they had. They would worship the God that would bring about, uh, uh, that would bring good crops into the land. They would worship gods that would bring sun, they thought, into the land. And God says, all of those mean nothing. 
I am the one and true God, and I want you to be in relationship with me. The imagery we see is that of a God who is not only intimately involved in the affairs of his people, but a God who is continually helping his people to fidelity in him. You see, long before this generation of the people of God had come along, God had promised to bless Abraham and all of his descendants, but also some people forget what that blessing entailed. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in Genesis chapter number 15, where you'll see the Lord gave instructions to Adam, uh, Abram. And we see the blessing that came to Abram there in Genesis 15 and verse number 13. This is what he said. The Lord spoke to Abram and said, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Then the word of the Lord goes on to say, in the end, they will come away with great wealth. And then in verse number 16, he says this, then after four generations. Your descendants will return here to this land. I want you to think about that. The honest truth is I can barely get straight what's going to happen in a week. I mean, if you tell me what's going to happen next Sunday, what's going to happen next week, I, I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure things out and get things in place. But God, who knows and understands all things, he speaks to Abraham, he gives him a covenant and says, listen, I am going to bless you. And as a part of that blessing, this is what is going to happen. Your people will be strangers in a foreign land, and they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But then he says, in the end, and they will come out with great wealth, and after four generations, they will return here to this land. Now, we're going to see as we journey through the scripture today, but one of the things that I got really excited about as I was preparing today's message was thinking about how faithful God is to all of his promises I could tell, I mean, I could tell my sons they're going to go, you know, laser tag, or I could tell them they're going to go jump in and, and, and do all types of activities, and then something, something will come up, and I expect them to have compassion, oh, daddy got busy, or daddy had some things at work, or daddy's just tired and doesn't want to take you out. I mean, whatever the excuse would be, but God who is faithful always makes sure that what he has promised it will certainly come to pass. And one of the things that is really amazing about that is that oftentimes the problem or the challenge is not God. It's us. We get in the way of God. And God in his faithfulness could say, well, I was going to bless you, but you determined that you knew better than me. But God in his loving kindness says, even when we get in the way, I'm still going to find a way to make sure that my word is performed. That God is a faithful God. 
As we read here in chapter 19, it gives us a reminder of God's faithfulness. Look there in Exodus chapter number 19 and verse number 1. We see this here in the text, and it says, Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. Now, in reading that, that just seems like a you know, simple statement of fact. But what you will see is that this was a bold proclamation of God's faithfulness. In some translations, it may say that they were there three months. Uh, in the uh, New Living Translation, it says it was two months after. But what we are certain of in this point is that it was a designated appointed time that after they had left out of the place of bondage, after they had left out of the place of Egypt, God was faithful to get them to the place of promise. After leaving Egypt, they had now gotten to the desert of Sinai. They had gotten to the wilderness of Sinai. And this was a significant milestone. What made Mount Sinai and their arrival there so significant? Well, let's turn back in our Bibles to Exodus chapter number three. We're going to zoom out a little bit for us to be able to understand why it was so important that they got to Sinai. In Exodus chapter number three, remember what the Lord said to Moses. As Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, in his mind he had taken a long trip in order to allow the sheep and all the animals to graze and to be able to get water and food. But in this aspect, God was going to appear to Moses in a prophetic foreshadowing. So Moses is out there. He's going with the flock. He's leading his father-in-law's flock, and he wanders all the way to Mount Sinai. And at that place, he encounters a burning bush. Uh, That would be the equivalent of us just being here, maybe here, here in Boston, and we just happened to find ourselves in the middle of Providence, Rhode Island. And as we are there standing there, we had taken the flock all the way down there, and we thought it was just a long journey that the animals needed, but God was orchestrating even this moment so that Moses would have a divine encounter. You remember what happened as he was there at Mount Sinai? He encounters a bush that is burning but it is not consumed. Sometimes I think because we're familiar with these stories, we don't think about how different that would be. I mean, could you imagine walking down Boylston Street and you see a bush and it's not consumed, but it's on fire? And in the midst of that, God has a divine encounter with Moses. And from there... God promises to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. But remember what happened when God, Moses heard the word from, Mo, uh, from the Lord. In verse number 11, Moses protested to God, who am 
am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And look at the response that God gave to him in verse number 12. God answered, I will be with you. Oh, man, that was an amazing reminder of God's faithfulness that when we're in the midst of challenges and places where we don't even feel equipped that we can handle what God has asked us to do, when we feel like we're on heartbreak hill and it's just we're trying to push along, but we can't do it. God's reminder to us is what he said to Moses, I will be with you. Whatever it is that you need, God says, I will be with you as a reminder of his faithfulness. And so as he says that, he also says, not only will I be with you, but I will give you a sign that I'm the one who has sent you. This is what he said to Moses. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Some of you are are starting to catch along here. All the way back in Exodus chapter number three, God was reminding Moses, not only am I calling you to do this, I'll be with you through the journey. And I'll remind you because you're going to come back to the same very mountain and worship me at this mountain. And it will be a sign to you that I am the one who has sent you. So fast forward now to Exodus chapter number 19. Israel arrives at the wilderness of Sinai. They arrive at the base of the mountain where the Lord had reminded them that this will be the place where I said long ago that I was going to bring you out. I was going to go and I was going to take you out of a place of bondage and bring you to a place flowing with milk and honey. Now this is the thing about it. Israel had all of their drama along the way. I mean, it's like kids who are asking along on a road trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are we going to get some water? When are we going to get some food? This journey is long. My feet hurt. Oh my goodness. Are we going to have to walk longer again and again and again? I mean, you know, if you have children or have been around children, you just want to put them in the back seat, put some headphones on and say, just go to sleep. They were like children who had to grow up in God. The beauty is that Sinai was a a milestone because Israel was going from being a bunch of people who barely trusted God, barely knew God, to now being God's very own people and possession. The thing about it was, was that they had to go through some hardship in order for them to grow. The word of the Lord says it this way, I am glad that I was afflicted so that I might know your ways, O Lord. And in the midst of it, I have learned that even in some of the most hardest, most difficult, most straining, most stressful, most times where I want to quit and give up, God is working something out in me. Some of you, you haven't zoomed out in a little while. 
So all that you see in front of you is the process of the working out, but you don't see what God has been able to work within you. You don't see the new you that God has transformed you into. You don't see the old you that used to have words that the minute someone got in your face, you had words for them, but you see now the one who is more kind and loving. You don't see the one who is able to forgive and be gentle and God working through those things. God speaks to them and says, we are going to be in covenant relationship. As they arrive at the base of Mount Sinai, Moses climbs the mountain and appears for God, before God, and the Lord gave Moses what is known as the eagle's wings speech. The Lord says, give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. These two names are significant that we see here in the text. The family of Jacob represents the humble clan that God would use to grow into his people. They were now known as the descendants of Israel, or in some translations, the nation of Israel. It represented who they were becoming. I'm so glad that we're all becoming into what God wants us to be. I pray that through this process of discernment, we're becoming more like the church that God wants us to be. I pray that through this, we recognize that it is a beautiful thing for us to be able to be transformed and to become into what God wants us to be. And sometimes you just need to look back and see how far God has brought you from. God uses poetic structure to remind them of their covenant with God. He says this here in verse number four, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This was a metaphor of an eagle and the representation of how a mother or father eagle would have love, compassion, protection, strength, watchfulness, all of those characteristics. It was the reminder that as a young eagle who was not able to fly, they were carried on the adult wings and brought out of their nests and taught to fly. So in the same way, Yahweh had lovingly carried and safely delivered Israel out of their place of bondage, now to the place of promise. Xavier, can you come here for a moment, please, and help me? This is my middle son. Just stand right up here on the second and wrap your arms around my neck. All right. Oh, I ate my Wheaties, hopefully. The imagery that the Lord was saying to them was that when you were not able to do on your own. The Lord God carried them. And as he was carrying them, he was not just carrying them. Come on, you got to put your legs up. <laughs> he was not just carrying them to carry all the weight. But he was carrying them to teach them how to fly. 
So the process of carrying was also God teaching them and showing them this is what you need to do. This is how you grow in the journey. And I pray that as we've been going through the book of Exodus, we'll recognize that God has been teaching us some things. He's carried us through some moments and he's carried us through some times, but through the process, he's also teaching us to trust in him. And he says, I carried you like a mother or father eagle would do to their young eagle until they were ready to be released and ready to go out on their own. Thank you, son. I owe you something. (laughs) Amen. So in obedience to what the Lord says, Moses takes the word of the Lord and comes and declares to the people, the God that you serve is faithful. And verse 8, it gives me chills as I think about it. In verse 8, after the people of God heard what Moses had reminded them about what God had done, in verse number 8, it says, And all the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So the Lord, excuse me, so Moses brought back the people's answer to God. What was amazing to me was that in an opportunity when reminded of God's faithfulness, the people of God who had strayed away and had gone their own ways, they came back to their first love. And they corporately made a confession of faith that said, Lord, we will commit ourselves to do everything that you have said. In the course of the next two chapters, you will learn the instructions that the Lord gives to them. They're known as the Ten Commandments, and as we dive into that, you'll understand more about how God was giving them tools to help nurture the relationship, to keep themselves in right relationship with God. But out of this, what we were seeing was that it was all about covenant. When we think of God's law uh, uh, and thinking about the Mosaic law that was given, the Ten Commandments, oftentimes we think about it as regulations, but what you recognize that it really just went back to the heart of God and God saying, this is how you protect the covenant relationship that we have so that I will be your God and you will be my people. When you understand that, and and as a parent, you know what, I understand that more and more. I give rules and I give boundaries to my children, not because I don't want them to have any fun. It brings me great joy to see them laugh. The other day, I was uh, texting Pastor Ophelia because we were driving, uh, I, I, maybe, yeah, I, was, I think it was to school. We were driving to school, and all of a sudden, my three sons, and, and they're three, six, and nine, they're playing together, and then they started to have a rap battle with gospel songs as the rap battle. And as they were enjoying, enjoying one another's company and each one of them was, 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 was spitting their lyrics, I was like, oh, this is awesome. So, of course, you know, dad has to try and capture the moment. And so I tried to sneak the camera on it. Of course, Benjamin notices the camera like, look, we're on camera. I was like, come on, man. 
But all that to say that as a father, one of my greatest joys was seeing them enjoy one another and have what they need and walk in the blessings that the Lord had provided for me and I could share with them. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father wants that for each and every one of us. As the Lord hears the response of the people, the Lord responds to Moses in verse 9. Moses was afraid of his qualifications to lead the people, but God wanted Moses to know that if Moses would always trust in the Lord, that the Lord would affirm his anointing for this purpose. In verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak to you. Then they will always trust you. The Lord had anointed Moses for a specific purpose, to lead the people. He felt unqualified. He felt like maybe this wasn't the thing that I was supposed to do. But the Lord knew that he could use a humble vessel. He could use a vessel that was willing to depend on God and say, Lord, I need you. The rest of the chapter goes on through how the Lord was to prepare the people for a divine encounter with God. It reminds us of the importance of worship. It reminds us of the fact that we are consecrated by God, meaning set apart, and that as we come to worship him, we don't consider it lightly of the opportunity that he's given unto us to be those who are his worshipers. The key instruction was that they were to be consecrated or set apart to worship God. And up until this point, they had only known God through the pillar of cloud and fire. But now God was going to reveal himself in a different way. We read on in verse number 16, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down over the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it from the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick's kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed to the top of the mountain. What do we learn from the arrival of the people of Israel at Mount Sinai? There's some application that I believe that we can take with us as we look to the word of God and look to this example in our life right here in 2019. Number one, God is still inviting us into covenant relationship with him. God never stops chasing after us, but he's constantly seeking for us to be his people and for us, uh, for him to be our God. Number two, don't underestimate the power of our willingness to say yes to God. I've learned that if there's something, if you want to distill what the Christian life is about, it can be simply found in this, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. There is a profound power 
in willing to humble ourselves, willing to say, Lord, I will say yes to your will. The people responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Third and last, even when there is uncertainty along the way, God is always watching over his promises and is faithful to perform every word that he has said. I'm thankful for these points in scripture because it reminds me that even in the midst of the difficulty of the journey, even in the midst of all that is going on, there is an end that God is bringing us to. There is a place where God wants to get us to. The runner who runs must run their race, but they know that they are running towards the finish line. And every step that they take brings them closer to that goal. I hope and pray that as believers, every day that we are awake, we recognize it's an opportunity for God to transform us and to make us more and more like him in every way. Jason and the worship team, would you come as we respond today's service? In just a moment, we're going to close our service, our Palm Sunday service by the celebration of the palms. And as we gather on Palm Sunday, it is an opportunity that we commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. In John chapter number 12, Jesus was anointed, and six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. And then it tells us the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went, uh, went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the king of Israel. Jesus then found a young donkey and rode it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. One of the most important things that we remember, remember as we prepare to enter into the Holy Week was that on this Palm Sunday, in the opportunity as Jesus was coming, he knew his purpose and his mission. The people were looking for an earthly king. They wanted to coronate someone who could get them from the power and the oppression of Rome. But Jesus knew that his purpose was much bigger than that. His purpose was to go and to become the savior for all of mankind. So as those who have experienced the finished work of the cross of Calvary, as we wave our palm branches today, we say, save us, Hosanna. Save us, O God. But we recognize that we're not looking for an earthly king. We are looking for the king of our hearts, the king of our soul, 
the one who redeems us from all loving kindness. I'm going to invite the pastors to come. We're going to have palm branches. You can come in these aisles. We'll ask you to come, grab a palm branch, and we will celebrate together with the waving of the palm branches. Feel free to come and grab uh, a palm branch as we uh, come. So you can come to either one of the aisles and please receive a palm branch, and then we will celebrate together. You can come to the aisles, come to the aisles, and, and receive your palm branches. So after we're done worshiping, you can make a cross out of your palm branch, but we're going to use them as our worship tools this morning. I invite you to join with the worship team as we sing Hosanna and as we lift up the name of the Lord.
Amen. It was great worshiping with you all, but our worship doesn't end here. It continues downstairs at Soul Food, so I invite you downstairs for some fellowship and food. And uh, if you are looking for just more information about any ministries or events or anything within the life of our church, I want to direct you to our Pathways team. There's a table in the back corner. But also, if you just see anyone with wearing an orange lanyard, they can give you any kind of information and answer any questions you might have. And if you are looking for uh, a quieter space to continue in uh, response to uh, today's service, or would you like to receive some prayer, there's going to be a room uh, behind the, the sanctuary. I'll be standing right over there to greet you if you would like to receive prayer. And with that, would you receive the benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. My church, would you go in that peace to love and to serve him?